0: from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The first thing I did was call my dad. He was always my best friend. Now this really feels like my home. Now I have, you know, everyone I love is here. just around the city, just driving around downtown, all the parks, Tower Grove Park, Forest Park. And it's really great to see the city through his eyes because you can get a bit jaded. I I don't know, I wish I had a solution. I think it's good to listen to their stories.
1: I'm Sarah Fedsky. On May 23, 2005, Carlos Restrepo left his native Colombia for a new life in the U.S. He was 15 years old. Carlos wasn't just saying goodbye to Medellin and the life he'd known up till that point. He also had to say goodbye to his father. When Carlos, his mother, and his stepfather moved to St. Louis, his dad Luis stayed behind. But after Carlos earned his citizenship in 2015, bringing his dad to the U.S. became his goal. And just before the holidays, he achieved it. Luis Carlos Restrepo arrived in St. Louis on December 22nd. And both father and son join us today. So, Carlos Restrepo, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah.
1: And, Luis Carlos Restrepo, welcome.
0: Thank you very much.
1: So, what's it like to be here in St. Louis now?
0: <laughs> uh, I am happy. You are I'm happy. Really happy.
1: I can see both of you smiling. Carlos, your smile is just huge. What was it like when you found out, hey, your dad is going to be here for Christmas?
0: Well, <laughs> it was really crazy because we were expecting that his stuff may be approved maybe in January. Then we were... Thinking about traveling, then then we get noticed that everything was approved. And we're like, well, we'll still come go sometime around January because this was the beginning of December when we found out his visa was approved.
1: So it came in faster than you'd thought. Then, yeah. But, yeah. Then
0: he, he went to pick it up and sent me a picture of it. And I sent it to my wife's family. And uh, my brother-in-law actually noticed that it had an expiration date of December 22nd had i not sent it to him i may not have even seen that part so i'm very grateful to him oh my goodness and, and so
1: at that point uh, how much time did you have we had before... a week
0: to plan to go there help him pack and come back here
1: that is not much notice no were you ready when when carlos said hey i'm coming to get you were you ready to come
0: no 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 but uh, uh i i have hope yeah
1: yeah. And so it was good news, but also kind of crazy news. It,
0: it was crazy. I did it contacted my, my attorney right away and asked her, is this a mistake? Why do we only have three weeks? She actually said, some people only get three days. So, you know, I, I consider myself lucky and and that I had the support system, my wife and everybody else, my my job, my colleagues, everyone who stepped in to help me make it happen and come back with them just on time.
1: Yeah. So that's a wild scramble there at the end, which which belies just how long you've been working on this. I mean, this has been a major effort ever since you got your citizenship.
0: Yeah. I was just just on the way here was showing my dad all the buildings. And I became a U.S. citizen at the SLU School of Law at the courtroom there and the first thing i did was call my dad that day it was october i think 31st 2015 i called him and i was like i got my citizenship do you still want to come to us and he's like yes let's do it and so that following year we started filling out the paperwork and trying to get everything in order and All these things have happened since the pandemic and delays and all of this, but we're happy that it finally came through.
1: Yeah. So this was something that was on your mind even before the citizenship was granted. You were very young when you left Colombia, 15. Yes. Uh, What kind of relationship had you and your dad had up till that point?
0: Uh, He was always my best friend. I mean, growing up, always my best friend. And uh, when I came to America, that didn't change. You know, we, we were lucky that we grew that we grew apart in a time where technology made made it staying in touch a lot a lot easier. So I, at first, I think the first year I had to buy like calling cards to call him, but quickly after that uh, we were able to do Zoom and you were all doing of that. Zoom before and,
1: the rest of us were doing <laughs> yeah, Zoom. Yeah,
0: and you know, and and so that that made it feel like we were never that far apart in that sense. And uh, I traveled back a few times to see him. And uh, and it was just so hard every time you leave Colombia to say goodbye. But uh, when we were just on our way out, I was like, look, we're in the airport. We're never going to have to say goodbye like that anymore. So that was.
1: And what was that like realizing it was that? Just
0: a lot of relief. Like, I just feel like of everything that I had hanging over my shoulders, that was the last thing I that was a huge thing in my life that I needed to accomplish, which is make sure he was fine make sure that my family, my immediate family was taken care of, and and it happened.
1: And Luis, for you, Carlos said he felt relief. How did you feel relief, knowing, hey, it's done, I'm
0: here? He says that it felt like it was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Because so many things had to happen for us to get here. Yeah. Al otro día, los
1: vuelos se suspendieron, the day no. after
0: <laughs> we arrived, all those flights got canceled and so, because of COVID, and so we actually felt like... Wow, this happened just how it should have happened. Yeah. so it felt like a miracle
1: so it must have been just an amazing Christmas for your family this
0: year it was it was it was very nice epic yeah
1: so St. Louis has such a small Latino population, such a small Spanish-speaking population compared to just about every other major American city. When you moved here as a teenager, was that hard for you?
0: It was and it wasn't I I am even though there's not a huge Latino Hispanic population there's a really strong network of support. And I think that's something that I, I always want to be grateful for, uh, you know, from organizations like the International Institute, uh, interpreters, chambers of commerce, so many places that help lift you up and connect you. I I was just surrounded by a lot of great people. And so, yes, it was hard, uh, but I also just got to meet people from many other countries here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just a really great community to, to just make progress learn english and and get accustomed to life here
1: so in some ways it's terrifying to think about doing that at 15 but in other ways when you're 15 it's maybe easier to start over than it would be once you're an older adult do you feel like your dad is ready for what i'm sure is going to be a big challenge yeah we've
0: been preparing for a long time you know he's he's been working on his duolingo english classes every day and And again, it's that community is what gave me all the confidence to move forward. Like Mm -hmm. everyone has reached out uh, about different things that he may need to get connected with, to learn English. And it has been just really amazing to feel that support. Mm -hmm. So I think when I was younger, it was harder because I didn't know St. Louis, but now my dad has me and I can show him around and connect him to the great people that are here in the city.
1: And you feel connected and committed to St. Louis going forward. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, this is this is home and now it's really, really home. You know, it always felt like my home was split. And although Colombia, Medellin will always be, you know, the place where I was born and, and I'm really grateful for that. Now this really feels like my home. Now I have, you know, everyone I love is here.
1: So, Carlos, when we reached out to you, and it was us who reached out to you, we said, we want you to come on the radio and talk about this happy ending for you and your family. You said that you didn't think your family's migration story was unique in any way. I think you were kind of surprised we thought this was news. Do you feel like this is happening all around us? People coming to St. Louis, having these kind of reunifications, and we're just not seeing it.
0: Yeah, just, just this week I had an acquaintance on Facebook who I saw had the same, almost the exact same story. Her dad... Finally came to St. Louis and there's, I think, over 200,000 foreign born immigrant in the state of Missouri. I think everywhere you look and you talk to, there will be somebody with a similar story. And unfortunately, a lot of them don't have the same positive outcome. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I felt, you know, I think there's other stories that are definitely worth telling and listening to in the city.
1: So you wrote an update at one point um, about your dad's case, and you wrote this, quote, but I can't bring myself to be 100% content. Every thought of happiness comes accompanied with the thought of the thousands of people who, through no fault of their own, are on the wrong side of our immigration system. I understand you've worked at an immigration shelter. You're thinking about people who maybe don't have the ability to jump through some of the many, Hoops that you and your family had to jump through.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's costly, and I, I worked for a while for an immigration uh shell, immigrant shelter in Texas, where we received asylum seekers. And once you, they were asylum seekers, they may never see their families again. And so, you know, some people come here knowing that they they will never see their loved ones again. So I, you know, that's that's always something that I will always carry with me. And and try to be helpful where I can.
1: I think you know there's so many armchair commenters who hear about people coming here illegally and they say, "Well, why don't people just follow the law? Why don't they just do it by the books?" As your case shows, it's it's never that simple.
0: It, it is, and ours was, I think, one of the simpler ones.
1: Yeah, and so you have some sympathy for that. What would you like to see happen here to make it so the kind of people you saw in Texas have a chance to have the kind of reunion that that you're having here today?
0: Oh, gosh, I I don't know. I wish I had a solution. I think it's good to listen to their stories so at least you know what's happening. Mm
1: -hmm. So, Luis, you're here now. Is your goal to become a citizen?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah.
1: And so you've been through that process yourself. That's going to be years.
0: Yeah, that'll be the next step. I think within the next five to seven years. It's it's the time that it will take approximately for him to become a U.S. citizen.
1: What are the next steps in that for him now?
0: Well, he he gets, he receives his green card uh, at some point in the mail. Uh, Then he must be here legally, I believe, um, for another five years. And he cannot leave the country for more than six months at a time. Uh, Then after that, you just have to start the application process. And there is, you know. Fees and tests and things that you take, and then the ceremony. But we're taking it one step at a time. So
1: this is not a game of months. This is a game of you're looking five years down the road, seven years down the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so in the meantime, I imagine you have all sorts of things you want to show your father all over St. Louis. Where have you taken him so far?
0: Uh, we got lost actually at trying <laughs> to look for. <laughs> it's COVID. a good St. Louis story. Yeah, trying yeah. to look for COVID tests. We oh. got lost, and we actually ended up close to uh, Lone Elk Park. And my dad loves nature. And that's one thing I was very excited to bring him to Missouri because there's so many wonderful places and we just drove around and we saw some beautiful animals there and he was really excited, uh, at taking him just, just around the city, just driving around downtown, all the parks, Tower Grove Park, Forest Park. And it's really great to see the city through his eyes because you can get a bit jaded, uh, the longer you live, but he just, every, everything I show him, he's like, this is perfect. This is beautiful. And it just. It's contagious, so it just makes me excited to live here and and share St. Louis with him.
1: So, Luis, of everything you've seen so far, what's your what's your favorite thing you've you've seen in St. Louis?
0: The favorito de St. Louis. Yeah, the parks. The parks, uh, Tower yeah. Grove
1: Park, Lone Elk yeah. Park. Yeah.
0: It's very beautiful.
1: Is there Colombian food here? Will he be able to get that taste of home without your family having to cook it?
0: Well, yes and no. So he's he's vegan oh, and he that's does a uh, complication. yeah, <laughs> and he he makes some amazing <laughs> vegan dishes. He's very happy because there's so many options here for that. Uh, there are some places that do Colombian food here in St. Louis, and and I'm I'm hoping to take him there. But I think right now he's just fascinated by all the options that I took him to a Pizza Head on Grand to have a vegan pizza, and he was amazed that it was vegan. So. He's pretty excited with the food options here in St. Louis.
1: That's great. Well, we are so happy that you're here. Um, I just want to say on behalf of St. Louis, um, we're so happy that you're here and and welcome.
0: Thank you. So Luis Carlos Restrepo,
1: thank you. And Carlos Restrepo, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate hearing your story. Thank you, Sarah. This episode was produced by Laura Hamden with audio engineering by Aaron Dore and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.